Now, more of Rick Wide on TSN 1040. Here's J.D. Burke and Andrew Wadden. Welcome back to Rink Wide. It's a show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside J.D. Burke. We're going to talk to Thomas Drans from The Athletic in just a moment. Forgot to do the poll question in the first segment. Yeah, and you're giving me a hard time for not booking guests. And, yeah. And we got Drance on what the What were line. you doing over the last two hours while I was working? Oh, yeah, man. There. I was there vibing. I was chilling. Go. There you go. Uh, the poll question today, do you have faith that the Canucks front office is making the right moves? 638 votes are in right now. 61.8% of the people are saying nada. Hmm. Hmm. You just leave it at that? Curious. I think I know your answer. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. uh, come it's on. It's pretty obvious. Come on. All right, let's bring Drance into the conversation. Drancer and uh, Harmon. Uh, autonomy and a breakdown in trust. Why Judd Brackett is leaving the Canucks. That's their latest piece on The Athletic. It is a must-read. It's an absolute must read. It breaks down. I thought it was okay. Pretty thoroughly on exactly what uh, the situation was between uh, Judd Brackett and the Canucks, which Drancer, which is funny because you know some people were telling us, well, it's a nothing story. Well, clearly, it was a something story, and there was a hell of a lot to unpack in your piece. Yeah, the fact of the matter is, is it is a story, and, and not just because the local interest is evident and clear. Uh, you know, you can tell from the 600 respondents to your poll on a Saturday. You can tell in, you know, how engaged all Judd Brackett talk has been over the past, you know, month across two all sports radio talk stations and a variety of newspapers and micro updates on this as it went. And look, you know, as I wrote in the piece, I sort of had heard some whispers that, you know, Judd have, was likely looking to leave after this season as, as early as the summer. And, and I sort of didn't really surface or run it down just because, you know, my view of it was that, you know, I didn't know the guy and, and I didn't sort of, I made some sort of basic inquiries, tried to talk with them through the organization. And, you know, they weren't sort of promoting uh, a guy who wasn't extended and, and fair enough. I've been in those shoes and I would have done the same. And, you know, as this sort of came to a four, we really start, were working it, but we were focusing on, on trying to get, you know, sort of the blow-by-blow, blow, the behind-the-scenes, trying to understand what precisely happened. And, and I don't know that we got there, but I think we got close. And, and I think the fact of the matter is, is Judd Brackett's done an excellent job. You know, you, you can maybe debate that a little bit, but I, but I don't think you can debate it a ton. I think there's been an ongoing sort of haul of, of picks both in the first round and outside of it during his time as director, you know, he's clearly well regarded in the industry. He's thought of as smart, uh, very hardworking, diligent, forward thinking. And, you know, it's never a good sign for an organization to lose a, a brain like that, like brain power matters. You have to win in the boardroom to win on the ice. And, you know, the Canucks uh, will, you know, like there's a lot of people on staff that are still highly regarded in the industry. Like I'm not sort of coming out here with doom and gloom predictions of what this means for Vancouver's future draft record, but for an organization that had done a lot of losing over the years and it had really leaned into selling hope, uh, you know, Bracket had come to be seen as part of, you know, the figurehead essentially for the one department in the organization that was functioning at the highest level and, you know, to see him depart uh, the way that it happened, you know, I think certainly, you know, leaves the organization open to a variety of questions, including, you know, how this sort of got to a point of, you know, an asymmetrical public spat that 
you know, sort of played out over the course of the last month. And, you know, unpacking that, I think, poses some really difficult questions for the organization and some pressing ones going forward, especially as it, you know, pertains to the overall sort of modernization of processes, the overall collaborative environment, and, you know, what we can expect from, you know, a club that's facing some really, really difficult choppy waters, and not just because of the uncertainty introduced by the novel coronavirus, but also because, you know, this is a team that's a fringe playoff team currently, and that's with their two best players on entry-level deals. And as those guys get expensive, if the team is going to also improve around them, and it needs to, you know, they're going to need to get both better and cheaper. And it's not easy to do that if you're not drafting, identifying talent uh, in every round of the draft and, and bringing them in and, you know, improving that way. So, you know, I think this is certainly a story and the idea that it's not would be uh, a, a little ridiculous, even if, you know, the proportions of it maybe did get blown up a little just because this is a passionate, knowledgeable hockey market. Tom, do you care to elaborate on this segment of the article where you go, and on day two of the ni- uh, 2019 draft, Brackett was reportedly stripped of his authority, according to TSN 1040's Matt Sakaris on Friday's conference call. We posed the question of what occurred on day two of the draft to Jim Benning, and he didn't seem to be sure about precisely what we were getting at. After day one, we had a meeting like we always do after the first day of the draft, and we talked about what we wanted to do going into day two. We really liked Nils Hoaglander a lot, and we were hoping he was going to be there for us, and he ended up being there for us, if that's what you're talking about. I don't know what else there is to talk about. And then you go on in the piece to suggest that Jim Benning admits to tinkering with the board to move Nils Hoaglander up a bit so that they might select him with their second-round pick. Uh, I hope that's what you would consider a fair interpretation of your writing. I didn't want to just yep. go on and read the entire article out loud verbatim. But well, uh, can you I, I, mean, I would have them? enjoyed that. Well, I, I, I could have done it, really. We're yeah. going to do that in the second hour, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually going to that's gonna be my Good manifesto. Radio. Good radio. No, look, the, the sense that I got in chatting with a variety of people and, and reporting this story was, you know, the reports from Sakaris and, and from yourself as well regarding day two of the list uh, baffle a variety of people in the Canucks organization. Like, people don't seem to know, you know, Jim not knowing what I'm talking about. Like, he wasn't the only conversation I had about it uh, that were similar in tone to that, right? Like, that people are like, yeah, it wasn't uncommon. Like, it wasn't an unusual sort of thing uh, from the perspective of a variety of Canucks contacts and sources that, you know, we reported the story through. So, well, fact is, is after day one, you know, teams often get some catering and the scouting staffs all meet and they debrief and they look at the list and they often make changes. Like it's not uncommon at that point in the draft to, based on where guys are, maybe move up a guy or two or, or sort of move things around a little bit. And, you know, this sort of strict of his authority report uh, echoed by multiple reliable reporters in this market you know, remains a mystery to me. And I admit as much, right? Like I go, this is the story that I got. And it doesn't really add up. And maybe there's more to it, admittedly. Like, I, I'm, you know, I thought we were, we tried to be transparent there because I don't know that we've got a satisfactory answer on that. Uh, but the, the timing of when rumblings in the industry began regarding Bracket, uh, you know, certainly lines up with that reporting. It's just, you know, I, 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 don't, I hoped to shed some light on it. I, I think I certainly got a detail 
Uh, I don't know if I have the full story yet. And we tried to be transparent in laying that out for, you know, the VIPs to make up their own sort of mind based on the best info we could mine for them. And what about the catering? Can you elaborate on that? No, I'm just kidding. Andrew, you had a question? <laughs> no, it depends where you go. In Vancouver, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure a lot of people do the sushi. Uh, right, and on right. and on. So that Ooh. would be, you know, or if you're in Texas, like we got Pecan Lodge, I remember. Oh, hell yeah, brother. Draft. So, you know, it, it really depends on where you're at. Any $120 lobster rolls? <laughs> <laughs> you go, to to- go to Tojo for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, your your uh, turn. Drancer, is he, I mean, I want to stick on that point for just a moment. Did you find that Jim got a little standoffish when you asked that question? I don't think so. I think he was genuinely confused. Um, you know, there's. Uh, that, that's my view. Like, I think he genuinely wasn't sure what I was getting at. I okay. think Jim's, you know, not as plugged in necessarily to like every Matt Scaris tweet as <laughs> as you and I are. Andrew wasn't. Oh my so, God! Don't I've actually got PTSD. I've, I've oh. got him muted. <laughs> <laughs> I blocked Sorry him. to old man Winter, but <laughs> you know the uh, the fact is, is I, I genuinely think the pr- the perspective I got was that I don't think he knew what I was talking about. Okay. Truly, and okay. uh, and so it goes. That's that's how yeah. it happens sometimes. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, when I did listen to it, I, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, man, he's really skirting around this. I think he knows exactly what Drancer's talking about. But, you know, fair enough. Uh, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, how important is this offseason for Jim and John right now? Because if the Canucks lose to Minnesota, they get that pick now, and, you know. Well, we don't know. We don't know. Oh, right? yeah, we don't know. Exactly. Who knows so what's going to happen don't have with clarity. This. Exactly. Yeah. But again, so I'll just go back to the original question. How, how big is this offseason, whether it, it is, is playoffs or, or not? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> from my perspective anyway, I'm not going to judge or change my opinion on what the Canucks accomplished this season anyway based on what happens in a playing round. Like the results of three games, in in circumstances that are completely unprecedented, uh, that's not going to dramatically impact how I evaluate the season the Canucks had. Like for me, anyway, in terms of process evaluations, in terms of what we think about the nineteen twenty Canucks and and what they accomplished, I think the season's done. Like for me, anyway, I think you'd look at this season and say the Canucks were a fringe playoff team about what we expected. They overperformed in the first half. We don't know how it would have ended, and they seem to be teetering on a bit of a knife's edge, but. You know, I tend to think they probably would have legged it out and figured it out, uh, especially with Markstrom only being a couple weeks away from returning. But, you know, that said, I think this team's roughly what we thought they would be, maybe a little bit better offensively and a little more hapless defensively uh, with, you know, sturdy goaltending and good special teams. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. what this team is. And, you know, if they win a playing round, if they win a round beyond that, uh, I mean, it would be, it's going to be hard. Uh, but if they win a round or not, I think... The fact of the matter is, is for me anyway, that shouldn't dramatically change how we evaluate the season, and I don't think it dramatically alters uh, what the organization's priorities should be going into the summer. And as they go into the summer, you know, the main thing is, like, there's an awful lot that's going to be governed by some kind of provisional agreement between the NHLPA and the NHL that we have no idea what it'll look like. But, you know, everything from compliance buyouts to you know, a, a cap that diminishes by $3 million, to a flat cap situation, to, you know, navigating a world with 35% escrow. Uh, and what that means for a team that operates in a higher tax jurisdiction relative to some of their rivals, right? Like, what all of that means, you know, we kind of have to wait and see. But what's going to be fascinating is this sort of, 
you know, dual track uh, goal that the Canucks keep in mind, which is better and cheaper. And those are really tough to do because everything that's looming over this club needs to be about Pedersen and Hughes and getting them locked up and raising the floor of the bottom end of the lineup and, and you know, the club's defensive play too, to the point where you're not giving everything back um, when Hughes and Pedersen aren't on the ice, um, and especially when they're not on the ice together, right? This is a team that led the league in goal differential with their top point-producing centerman and his most frequent defensive teammate on the ice at the same time. Like, they were plus 17. They led the league in shot attempt differential in those minutes. Like, that's a team that can make noise, like, already. Already you've got the top-end group that you need to be really, really competitive. And it's just about making sure that your defensive play is tight enough, your blue line's good enough, and your bottom six isn't giving too much back now. And, you know, they're going to need to navigate that in, a, in an environment where you need to re-sign Markstrom, you need to re-sign Toffoli, and you probably need to figure out how to get your blue line to be better and to accomplish all of those things under a salary cap system is going to require an enormous amount of creativity, an enormous amount of discipline uh, and ingenuity, and it's going to be a tall order. So we'll sort of see how they navigate it and whether or not they can, in fact, take another step uh, next season. But, you know, honestly, the the size of the task, I I don't know if it's been appreciated by Canucks fans, and it's actually an even harder task as a result of some of the uncertainty the club and the entire league is going to be facing. Uh, last question here for you, Drancer. What have you heard about uh, John Weisbrod's role with the organization? Like, what exactly, what exactly does he do with the organization? <laughs> like, it's to be simple. Uh, a very, uh, you know, uh, that's a that's a formulation that I know the Canucks are sensitive to and 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 don't appreciate. And you know, I think the, I think Weisbrod's ultimately, you know, first of all, he is involved on the scouting side. You know, he's certainly Jim's most trusted advisor. I, I think that's clear to say. And, you know, he's been around. Like, he's been around with a variety of experiences. Um, you know, I know a lot of fans in this market think they've been uniformly negative, but there's a guy who's been the GM of an NBA team. Um, you know, he's been an assistant general manager in Calgary, and, you know, he's, he's sort of landed here. And Weissbrod's a really interesting figure because, you know, around the league anyway, um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people who vouch for him. Uh, he is tended to, he tends to be regarded uh, negatively by by a variety of colleagues to to the point where scouting sources that I was reaching out with uh, just to talk about this you know situation and and how they regarded Judd you know often sort of pointed to oh you know the, around the league anyway there's some perception that perhaps Weisbrod was involved in what went down and you know I don't know how fair that is I don't know John very well at all to be totally honest with you. Um, in my engagements with him, he seemed to be a bright guy. Um, you know, I think he's ultimately a, a big part of their management group and, you know, obviously has Jim's ear and Jim's trust. And, you know, that's sort of, that's sort of about what I know. Um, clearly involved on the amateur and the pro side and, and in terms of big picture, you know, advising Jim and, and on and on. So that's sort of how I'd handle that. Um, I don't know if that's going to satisfy anybody, but... Uh, for the most part, to be totally honest with you, this is, uh, you know, not a person who I've, uh, John's not a person that I've dealt with uh, extensively, but I've found him to be polite and intelligent when I have. Uh, actually, I got one more for you. Uh, the, the the guy's taking a dig at you for the haircut question there on the Zoom call. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> now, Bo Horvat, we heard about, uh, JD actually brought it up. 
Do you know? Did Bo Horvat end up having? Did they end up having their child today? Oh, Have you heard that I already? Don't you, you don't know either. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. That seems early. I think yeah. they were looking I must, at I must have misread in. something on Yeah, Twitter. I yeah. thought it was I a think, few months I ago. think so. Yeah. yeah. The, I, you know, I, he was playing roller hockey with his dog on his Instagram story, so I'm okay. sure, I'm sure yeah. that wouldn't be the case. Um, but no, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a thing yet. Um, but yeah, no, look, Horvat roasted me. And <laughs> fair enough. I walked, I walked into that one. It yeah, happens was... sometimes. Yeah, yeah he, 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 he gained some credibility am. with me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, all, yeah. all of a sudden, I thought it was a good draft pick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, Drancer, wow. uh, we appreciate you, as always, coming on with us. Some great stuff uh, with your latest piece on The Athletic. Uh, have yourself a great weekend, and we'll definitely be talking in the next couple weeks. Thank you, gentlemen. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thomas Drance from The Athletic in Vancouver. Let's unpack that on the other side because we're up against it here. Uh, but some great stuff uh, there from Drancer, as always. As I mentioned, if you don't have an Athletics uh, subscription, get yourself one. That's the place to be when you uh, need all your information, whether it's for the Canucks or anything else uh, that you're into in the sporting world. On the other side, we'll unpack that a little bit more. Rink-wide, the show that always scores, TSN 1040.